right. So welcome everybody to the Abstract Podcast. Uh, we are here today with Skip Miller, expert sales trainer and president of M3 Learning. Uh, Mr. Miller, take a moment, introduce yourself, sir. Thank you very, very much. Happy to. Hi, guys. I've uh, been doing sales training for quite some time, sales, sales management stuff, usually technology companies. Since I'm in Silicon Valley, usually five to, to $50 million companies. But, you know, we started with uh, Tableau when there were 20 people. We started with Zoom when there was three people. We started with Webex when there was 50 people. So we've had some really good luck with big, huge companies. But typically, you know, the small, medium companies is one we love because we can make an impact. So it's kind of fun. That's awesome. Well, uh, before we begin, I got to talk about one of those kind of small companies and my experience when I met you. Um, I was a new SDR, didn't know a single thing about inside sales or software sales, and you did a training to act on software. And um, I got a book of yours, Proactive Selling. It is, uh, I, I equate it to like my Bible. Um, so I'm, I'm really for lack of a better word, a little giddy to have the opportunity to talk with you today, Skip, um, because uh, a lot of my success has been built upon some of the things that I learned from you. So, Well, thank uh, you. I love when people take the book and earmark it and dovetail it and put highlights in it and stuff, because I write the books for them to be a, a Bible, a reference manual, not, well, that was a good read with a couple of new ideas and goes on the shelf. So the fact that people typically use proactive selling, I mean, before COVID, I'd walk by people's desks and they'd have the, the practice selling you know, book all beat, beat up yeah, because yeah. it been, been dovetailed so many. Because we're tool-based. You know, there's like 30 or 40 tools in proactive selling rather than, you know, here's how to sell. I mean, which is great, but I'd rather have some tools that I can use. Absolutely. Well, speaking of books, you just released Outbounding last week. Um, I'd love to hear how that's been going. What's uh, been the impressions, the feedback you've gotten from the book release? Oh, <clears throat> really good. Um, I hate writing books. I hate it. I mean, it takes a lot of time. For me, I got to get up at 4, 4.30 in the morning. That's the only time you know, that I can really concentrate. But, um, and my, my publisher loves when I write a book. But um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the problem was too big. You know, Greg, about a year or so ago, I'd be talking to people and saying, so how's the year look? Well, good. I'll probably get to 80%. I got to get, you know, the inbounds are coming in, but I got to do some more outbound. I go, great. How's that doing? Well, I sent a guy, I sent a guy an email last Thursday. I'm still waiting to hear back. That's it. That, that's, that's your outbounding. People typically hate the prospect. So I saw the inbound starting to drive up and COVID's kind of advanced that, right? So... Most salespeople, if they're really honest with themselves, they look at their funnel and they go, I could probably get the 80, 90, but I'm going to have to do something on my own. And typically the inbound leads are very, what I call below the line, very user buyerish. They're not C-suites. So if you're an experienced AE, let's go outbound and let's go to the C-suite. Let's go you know, to the executive, but talk that language. Don't talk the language of the user buyer, which I call, you know, below the line, you know, the, the Spanish thing, you know, let's yep. go talk Russians to Russians. And so outbounding seems to be a perfect storm. It's, it's the right tools with the right timing and the right market and stuff. And everyone's looking at the 21 pipeline going, I, I ain't going to be a hundred percent. I got to do something. So here's a playbook on how to do it. So it, it seems to be going well. Thanks for asking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So our focus really today is going to be on outbound prospecting. Um, I've had the pleasure of leading a couple outbound SDR teams and a lot of the things that we had success with um, last year, we'll call it kind of 2019 um, and before then, 
I see there's there's some nuances in the the way we've changed our working environment that those things are no longer available to us. Um, knocking on doors, you know, sending packages, ABM type stuff. Um, things I feel like have gotten harder from an outbound perspective because the manner in which we can kind of get people's attention has shrunk. Would you agree or disagree with that statement? Some areas have gotten harder. Some areas have gotten easier. Some areas have gotten harder. You can't do donut drops. You can't do hall walking. You can't yeah. go to a trade show. <clears throat> you can't swap uh, business cards on an airplane seat. I mean, so some areas it has gotten harder. There's no doubt about it. You can't mail anything to somebody's office because they're not in the office and no yep. one's giving you their home address. So yep. yeah, there's, there, you, you got some limitations. You got social, you got email, um, you got the phone, you got voicemail, you know, Zooms. So there's different ways now that you're going to have to figure out how to be effective, right? I mean, I was just on a Zoom call today giving a speech and there was, you know, 85 people on it. Oh, that's 85 emails I just got, and I can start prospecting that way. Yeah. Right. So, you know, as salespeople, especially senior salespeople, have you put yourself out there to try to be on a panel or, you know, get on? Everybody's doing, you know, Zoomed or, or, or you know, Hangout conferences. You know, are you trying to get your name out there? You know, if you're a salesperson in the Kansas City area, you know, I'm sure there's Kansas City meet and greet, you know, LinkedIn meetings every week. Are you on there? People buy from people who they like and they trust. So the more networking you can do, which now through LinkedIn and all these social media events and stuff and so on, right? You're going to be able to get more people. The more people you get, the more referrals you can get. Hey, I was just talking to John Smith the other day, Mary, and you and I both know John. You know, there's, it's easier on the referral area because everybody's out in the Ethernet. So Things have gotten easier. It's easier to get a C-suite now active, much easier to get C-suites active. You don't have to wait to have a meeting and you know go to the conference room and have them show up. They pop into a 10-minute Zoom, 10-minute you know, you know, hangout. So things have gotten harder the way you used to do it, but there are a ton of things you can make yourself available to to make it easier. That's a, that's a good point. So thinking about what I'm hearing from you, Skip, is it's almost um, we have to be a little bit maybe creative in thinking about different ways to outbound prospect. And I was talking with a peer of mine last week, and um, I was kind of talking about things like um, LinkedIn messages. And I was like, hey, have any of your SDRs FaceTimed? Like tried to cold call FaceTime a prospect and get them on a video call right away. And um, he was like, well, how do I track that? I'm so used to kind of tracking my traditional metrics of emails and dials per day. How would you help leaders rethink the way they're defining or measuring outbound success when we're trying to do things a little bit differently, like getting on panels or going to virtual meetup groups, things like that, that aren't traditional KPIs a sales leader kind of looks at? So great, great, great question. And for years I've preached that managers have got to start getting on board leading indicators versus trailing indicators. Mm. Okay. Revenue is a trailing indicator, right? A phone call connect is a trailing indicator. You're not measuring all the activities that it got to get the phone call connect and stuff and so on. So LinkedIn, you mentioned LinkedIn. Yep. 
LinkedIn has videos. And if I get a LinkedIn video, I'm not used to getting a video from LinkedIn. I'm going to open it. And I'm going to open it because it's coming through LinkedIn. I think it's secure. Mm -hmm. How often are the salespeople putting together 45, 65 second videos of, hi, John, Skip Miller with the ABC company here. Hey, I'm trying to reach out to you. Reason why would be this and this. Please give me a call back. And then it's about messaging. You well know that I've been a huge fan of the below the line buyer and the above the line buyer, right? We used to call them Spanish, Russian, Greek, and that turned out not to be politically correct. So now we call them <laughs> above and below the line. Every email, the messaging is terrible. Yeah. The, I mean, if I get one more, hi, my name is, my company does. Here's my favorite. Hi, I know we can help. You don't even know what my problem is. And you're telling me you can help. The messaging is terrible. The general rule is on those first attempts, emails should not be more than 120 words. Why? Because 80% of emails are opened up on mobile devices. And if I have to do more than one swipe, I'm gonna delete it. Yeah. So why aren't you writing your emails on your mobile device? So therefore, it'll be in the same format as I'm opening. No, you wanna open it up on a laptop, write a novel, 412 words, and I get it, and you feel good because you're so complete, I'm not going to read it. Greg, the best companies have 60, 70% open rates of their emails. And everybody's throwing in my face, oh, the norm is 3%, the norm is 11%, the norm. No, I interviewed a ton of companies for my book, and the best ones had 60, 70% open rates because they knew who they were talking to, they knew those first 10 to 14 words matter the most, and it wasn't about them, it was about the customer, creating curiosity, whatever it was. So. There's a ton of things we can do in our messaging that's going to get people to open rather than just, you know, send out, I sent out 20 emails today. Well, your emails all sucked because they were yeah. all about you. They were too long and then nobody's going to open up those attachments. So stop it. You know, you, there's so much le leading indicators you can fix. And that's the, that's the one thing we're, we're really harping on. Yeah. So I guess, I 100% agree with what you're talking about here in terms of, um, and I think of above the line and below the line, below the line almost has two different meanings or me means when I think of messaging and who I'm targeting versus when I scroll on a phone, right? I think of anything I can read without scrolling is above the line. If I have to scroll to below the line on my messaging. Yeah. So I'm always talking about what can you, can you do to catch that attention above the line in the email? Um, thinking through though, how, when I was an SDR, first day as an SDR, I was told, here's your 10 email templates. Like, go use these, 100 throw, emails, 100 throw phone. Throw them away, throw yeah. them away. Like, so how do you, how, if I'm a new SDR at a company and I'm listening to this podcast, Skip, how do I convince my boss that we need to rethink our messaging or you need to hold me accountable, Mr. Boss, to a different leading indicator as opposed to just my activity level. Okay, in your messaging, do A-B testing. In your messaging, number one, make me curious. Make me curious about myself or my company or my industry. Number two, tell me what I don't have. You're missing out, you know, things you probably don't have. Here's what other people are doing and you're not. We have this flock mentality that, you know, we wanna flock towards security. We don't wanna be left out hanging. Number three, make them short, 120 words max. Number four, use a name. 
use a name that I know and you know. Hey, we both, if you don't know a name, name a company. Hey, I see you know people at Google like I know people at Google or whatever. It creates familiarity, it builds rapport. You don't have to know Jim Smith, but if I get on your LinkedIn profile and I see that you know people at Acton Software, and I know people at Acton Software, meaning I'm not, meaning I'm not this, knowing this, the same people, but I'm gonna build on that. Yeah. Right? I'm from Ohio. Anytime I got on somebody's LinkedIn, I see they're from Michigan, oh, that's a lot of fun. <laughs> and, and, I, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll play off that to build some sort of rapport. I'm yeah. not gonna be a comedian, but I am gonna try to build rapport. And your, so, call, your call to action has gotta be tight. Let's spend 15 minutes. Let's spend 10 minutes. Let's spend five minutes. I'm not going to give you 30 without knowing who you are. I'm not going to give you an hour. Yeah. And please don't ask me to, please don't send me something that's five pages and ask me to read the whole thing. Hey, I, just sent you, I sent you this email on the second page, paragraph two. That's important to you. That's being directional. You know, Infusionsoft used to have this 20 minute video and it said, okay, at the 13.46 minute mark, that's what I want you to listen to. Okay, I got it. That's like the Reader's Digest version. I mean, people will take instructions. So with those just little hints I gave, your emails are going to get a better open rate than those ones from marketing that says, hi, I'm Skip from ABC. We are a leader in, we provide the best and the most secure. You know, wow, 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 wow. Yeah. So what, where I struggle with this, Skip, and when I've tried to, in my past, help my leadership understand why I'm asking my team to do things differently is the types of training it takes to train an SDR to think creatively, um, strategically is so much different than, hey, press this button, call this person, yeah, here's, right. this, here's this script. So I guess that's really where I'm trying to get an understanding of is if the world's changing and we have to be more creative with our outbound prospecting and we need to fill that remainder 20, 30% of our funnel with opportunities. Like how does sales leadership company C-level leadership rethink how they're going about training these people that spend their day outbound prospecting to be successful in this world? Cause I'm, well, I'm not seeing that. Sure, but they're spending a lot of money on Gong and, and stuff and so on to try to coach their sales reps. Why don't you spend a lot of money on outreach, you know, and, and go buy the stuff that can salespeople can actually capture best practices and capture. I mean, outreach is a great tool for sales organizations, not just marketing organizations. And, and there's others as well. I just know outreach pretty well. That it's a great, great tool to get them done. This is a manager problem. It's not a rep problem. So the yeah. managers of the SDRs have got to get together and go, okay, what works, what doesn't, because SDRs will do what their managers tell them to do, but it's, you can't control 10 SDRs. You can really control one or two managers who sit back and say, here's my cadence, here's my sequence. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the best companies we interviewed has this thing called a, a, block, a block sequence. They okay. go after 25 customers, 12 touches, 14 touches in a two-week window. Okay. When two weeks is done, they take out block one, they put in block two. On block one, they take the people out who they've contacted, add some new ones in. After two weeks, they take out block two, they put in block three. When that's done, they put, they put block one in. So a rotating three blocks of 25. Take okay. ones out that you know are dead, put, take ones out that you, know, you made contact with. It takes the rep an hour a day. That's it. 
an hour a day. Once you're organized like that, you're a machine. And we got way too many customers who, you know, you know I sent out three emails last week, so I'm prospecting. <laughs> you're not even close. Yeah. Okay. Tech, so tech. that's what sales management can do is really get a better understanding of sequences, cadences, gaps, messaging. It's not hard. I mean, you could read my book and get 50% of what you need. I mean, the, the, the information's out there. Yeah, it almost becomes like you have to be an expert in the tool because once you know how the technology can serve you and how to report on the outcomes that the technology is producing, it almost becomes that easy, right? Where it's insert block one, okay, learn from that, insert block two, learn from that, insert block three. We have the technology. It's knowing how to use it as opposed to just dumping a thousand names into outreach and running them through the same sequence every two weeks. To the point, right? If you're going to do dumb things, you're going to get dumb answers. If you're going to do smart things, you're going to get smart answers, right? Yeah. Yeah. So just, I mean, you know, I probably get 10 calls a month from companies saying, Hey, we'd like to do some stuff and so on. And I say, well, send me what you got now. I mean, it's hysterical. It's how bad, their, their, their current sequencing are, it's way too wordy. They start off with I, 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 I. Then it goes, I wanna help, I wanna do everything. And when I wrote my first book, Greg, it was really good. And I sent it in, and about two weeks later, I got a call from my copywriter, which I didn't know what a copywriter was. Uh-huh. And she goes, Skip, it's a great book, but you said, I think I believe about 30 times your first two chapters. We know it's what you think and you believe, you, you got to take those out. I go, no, 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 no. I want my readers to understand how passionate. She goes, Skip, the reader reads that and thinks you're arrogant. You're reading like you speak. You're not writing how people read, right? Mm. How people read. So she started changing my chapters around, you know, chapter two to chapter seven. I'm like, that's not the right sequence. I know she goes, Skip, you're writing a book like you teach. You're not writing a book like people are reading. Like I gave her carte blanche. So my books are pretty good relative to sequencing because I gave up control because I don't know how to write. I'm not a writer. I don't know how to write on how people read. She does. And the same, thing, the same thing with your emails. Write how people read them. Don't write on how you want to speak. Stop being so complete. Stop making sure you put that at the end. And by the way, if you want to contact me, that's not how people are reading. They think they, you just hooked them. Now I just got had. So get get just get on the web start searching what really good emails look like email cadences you know buy my book or somebody else's book and stuff and so on just there's some good stuff out there that's really going to make a difference in your in your reply rates and the things that managers can manage i love that write how people read that's the first time i've ever heard that um trust me i got educated so you know, I've insisted on the same copywriter for most of my books because she just has control. And we think the same now and she's great. That's so genius. That should be like, you should write <laughs> your next book. No, like I'm all, I'm all about I'm that. Yeah, I got seven out there. That's enough. Thank you. No, I really think you should write another book, write how people read, because that is something that I, I've never heard that before. I'm, I'm, I got chills because that is, I think I'm going to plaster that like on my wall here. And I'm going to think about that every time I write an email from now. Well, on. I got affirmation on that because my wife is a journalism major. So she's okay. like, of course you write like people read. I'm like, I've never heard of that. <laughs> You're a journalism major. I was not. 
That's so awesome. That is, that's really an interesting concept that I would want to spend more time thinking about. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. So I want to, again, keep this relatively short, bite-sized stuff that our readers can take away. I want to wrap it up with a final question, Skip. Um, M3 has been around for 25 years. and Don't tell anybody. I, <laughs> I, I'll, yeah, it's, it speaks volumes to the quality of the work you do. And so I think what I'd like to understand is, you know, over those, that 25 years, what's changed when it comes to sales, but what hasn't changed? What's stayed the same? What are the foundational elements that are never going to change? <clears throat> what's changed? Um, technology. You know, you know, 25 years ago, you had, you know, you're using fax machines and you're doing donut drops and, you know, you had to have contracts written in triplicate. Things were a lot slower. You know, you, you had to drive somewhere, have a meeting. The next meeting was three days later. So things were, were, were a lot slower. Um, quotas were about the same. When I was selling CAD CAM 20, 30, 40 years ago, I had a million dollar quota. So I was selling software for a million bucks. And most salespeople in SaaS and stuff have a million dollar quota. So the numbers are the same. So that's not changed. But speed. Speed has changed a lot, right? And now with COVID and stuff, um, you got to change your process again. Greg, I was, on the, I was listening to a, to a chorus call the other day. And it was a salesperson, the manager, and then from the company, they had their below-the-line buyer, a manager or a director, and then the above-the-line buyer, the CEO, was on the phone. Mm -hmm. And the salesperson starts pitching and the whole bit. 15 minutes in, the CEO goes, this is perfect. This is exactly what we need. This is great. The sales rep goes, thank you. As a next step, I'd like to give you a demonstration. When can we set, we'll set that up? No, <laughs> he's been programmed to gain interest, do demo presentation, do a proposal. He's been pre So the sales processes have got to change. And this is not a, you know, uh, uh, you know, modify a few words. This is a rip and replace. I am telling customers sales cycles should be twice as fast. You have access to C-suite now, they'll pop into a Zoom. I mean, you have access, you're just, your messaging's terrible. So set a new bar, set your sales price. If you had a 28 day sales cycle, set it to 14. You know it at FusionSoft, they had a 30 day sales cycle, we got it down to 13. I remember Booker, that. Metric, Booker had yeah. a 30 day sales cycle, but they had it down to nine. You yep. can change sales cycles if you do the right thing, just set the bar. So managers, set the bar for a new sales process because speed is getting faster, access to C-suite is easier, so you don't have to bubble up, land, expand, explode, and stuff and so on. You can get high quickly. Just say the right messaging. Just don't use below-the-line messaging at the above-the-line table. So things are changing, you know, the, the more propagation of so social media. And I think you're going to see a lot more changes because everybody's getting Zoomed out. Everybody's, you know, I never got 10 LinkedIn messages a day trying to pitch me. And now yeah. I'm getting, now I'm getting, now it's getting annoying. So that, that platform will probably tailor up, but there'll be a next platform. Yep. You got to stay on top of it because speed is everything in the sales process. Okay. So speed is definitely something that has changed technology. Yep. What hasn't changed? Hard work. A players do a work. C players do C work. C players bitch, moan, whine, complain about what their problems are. A players learn, adapt, try new things. So what, what hasn't changed is the top salespeople are constantly reinventing, constantly doing A-B testing, constantly putting their necks out. They're not afraid. I'll ask a room 
of 10 sales managers, how many people would admit that you learn more from your losses than your victories? And everybody will raise their hand. Yeah. Then I'll ask the managers, what are you doing to encourage your people to lose? Because if that's where you learn the most, what are you, what are you doing to try to make them fail? What, what do you try to have them? Because everybody can make lemonades out of lemon. So the best thing I can tell people now is the A players, they're constantly A players because they're trying new things. They constantly challenge themselves. And I've not seen that change in 25 years. Top performers are top performers because they're constantly reinventing themselves. I love that. What are you doing to incentivize your people to lose? That's so like counterintuitive to most sales organizations. It's not well, something at, you would expect look, to hear. Yeah, look at me, right? So for 20 some odd years, we've been doing in-person training and stuff and so on. And COVID all of a sudden takes away my in-person. Well, I guess I'm going to have to learn. So I got in on Thinkific. I, I learned how to do a, a, a self-help program, you know, self-paced program. That's already done. I spent 20 some odd thousand dollars on studio equipment and cameras and lighting and stuff and so on. I had to learn all this stuff. I mean, yeah. you know, I got some help and, and bought, you know, worked with some people and stuff, but it was all new to me. I mean, I, I, I now can, I'm pretty good at putting these videos together and stuff and so on. And I asked a couple of PhDs on how do I take my course and make it Zoom friendly? Well, they told me be more bite-sized, they reorganize things. So now instead of a two-day training program, you have a 90-minute session, you go away for a day or two, practice the tools, come back. You have another 90-minute session, you get more tools, you go away, practice them, come back. The students are loving it. They get to practice, they get to fail, they get to succeed. I mean, so we've adopted and that's what A players continually do. They always will take advantage of what's out there. Love it. <clears throat> Love it. Well, as we come to a close here, Skip, I want to recap just a couple of my main takeaways that I really am going to try to, to put into practice and, and keep at the forefront of my mind. Um, number one, leading versus trailing indicators when it comes to prospecting. Um, we typically are measuring at a leadership level, those trailing indicators like phone connects and not really looking at those leading indicators. What research are you doing ahead of time to make that messaging relevant? Um, number two, make me curious in my messaging. Um, how, how are you going to spark my curiosity and make it not about I as in that SDR? Um, that, that is definitely something I, I firmly believe in and the affirmation from you uh, feels feels good. Selfishly, I'm like, okay, I've been doing the right things there. Um, number three, write how people read. I think that's going to be the title of this podcast <laughs> um, because that to me is just so profound and, and hits home and something we should all think about. And then um, kind of reiterating that point of setting the new bar for ourselves. I think if people kind of go, if you hear that, oh, our sales cycle is 45 days, right? We were conditioned to instantly think, oh, that's our 45 day sales cycle. Yep. Why, why not say it's 20 days? Why not push ourselves as an organization to make that better? The technology has enabled us like reevaluate whether that bar still makes sense. So really quality information, really appreciate it. And again, this has been a, a huge honor of mine to have the opportunity to get this information from you, Skip, just given the fact that, uh, I think I owe a lot of my success to uh, some of the things that I learned from you early on. If anybody wants to learn more about M3 or get in touch with you, what's the best way to uh, get in touch with you, Skip? Yeah, Skip at M3 Learning. Stands for Miller and his three kids. You know, skip at M3Learning.com and, and happy to help and answer any questions. That's awesome. Well, again, I appreciate your time today, sir. And um, any final words before we wrap up? Uh, send me uh, an email with your address. I'll send you a copy of Outbounding. Sweet. 
Done. Yeah, I, yeah. Huh. Happy, happy to. And then um, awesome. just guys, you know, there's a new thing out there. If you want to, everybody hates the prospect. Everybody hates the outbound. Just put some simple things into place. I believe sales is about helping my customers make money. It's not about be selling something. If I could help my customers in a B2B world make money, lower risk, save time, and if you're not returning my call or my email, I'm going to do it more passionately. I'm going to get you on the phone because I'm here to help you save money if I can. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Cool. Well, enjoy the rest of your day, sir. And um, good luck again with uh, the book release. I'll look forward to uh, your eighth book, hopefully coming out about <laughs> no. right how you read. <laughs> no, no. Just send me your address. I'll send you a copy of Outbounding. That's good enough. All right. Thank you, Skip. Thanks, Bye. Greg. Pleasure.